The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In this economy, are you making the money you could be making? Welcome to High Yield with your hosts, Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. The old ways don't work anymore, so let Frank and Dave help you find new high-yielding opportunities. You can start by tuning in for the next hour. Now, here's Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. Welcome to High Yield, the show that tries to show you ways to have a high yield in this lousy American economy. Today we're going to take the show in a new and strange direction. We're not going to talk about necessarily a business concept or real estate concept, but today we're going to talk about something that everyone needs to know how to do to have a high yield in their both business and personal life, and that's public speaking. So today we're going to devote today's show to getting you out of your funk, getting you out of your fear of public speaking, which is a very, very important skill to have a high yield in both your business and personal life. You know, public speaking is the number one fear of Americans. It came in ahead of death, which came in at number two. And that's, and that's a little insane that people would be so, so afraid of public speaking. But because we all share this fear, I mean, there's very few people born who don't have some fear of public speaking. We often miss out on lots of opportunities in our work and personal life, things that would, would make our lives go in new directions if only we would take that step, give that speech. So today we're going to focus on how to get you out of that rut of being afraid of public speaking. And let me give you a little background on why we chose that topic for today. You know, I had a huge fear of public speaking in school, and to get over that, I was kind of forced sort of to take uh, public speaking in high school. So I had to do debate and oratory, and I wasn't too bad at it, Never, never really loved it. But I would go to competitions and do okay. And then I went to Stanford University out in California. And, of course, I'm like anybody else looking for classes that might be a blow-off to pick up extra credits without any homework. And I signed up for a class on public speaking, something that I had been doing in high school. Well, apparently, the average person in high school doesn't do a lot of public speaking because not only did I make an A in the class, but the teacher came to me after the class and said, hey, how would you like to be the teaching assistant for the class? So next year, that was my freshman year, next year as a sophomore, uh, I'm now the teaching assistant. So basically I go to classes, I grade papers, I in a pinch talk or whatever needs to be done, and I do that for a year. And then on the next year, the the class had been taught by two uh, lawyers in San Francisco, and by the next year they said, you know what, one of the lawyers is not coming back. So how would you like to be elevated now to actually a Stanford faculty member on public speaking? Maybe it was just being in the right place at the right time. Maybe I was that good. I do not know. But next thing you know, I actually have a faculty card as a junior 
and I am teaching a class at Stanford on public speaking along with my co-instructor, a guy named Jim Wagner. So, or actually, you know, Wagstaff. So basically what happens is, you know, I teach the class, and more that I teach it, the more I realize that public speaking really isn't that hard or really shouldn't be that scary. You know, here I am teaching this thing, and we've got, I don't know, 100 kids per class, absolutely terrified. And yet the basics of public speaking can be taught. It's not what you think. It's not the books that tell you it's all about storytelling. It's not storytelling. It's not about the books that tell you to be natural. You, 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 don't, you aren't natural. So I realized then that public speaking, a lot of what was being taught was a bunch of hooey. So when I got out of Stanford and moved back to Dallas, I went to, to Southern Methodist University and asked them if they would want me to be their public speaking instructor in continuing ed, which is a, you know, once, a, once a week at night program, which they said, sure. And that started me doing that there. So I've actually been, been teaching public speaking now for oh my gosh, at least 30 years approximately. And so that's why I think I'm I'm fairly well qualified for today's show. And I also feel like it's a topic that pretty much we all universally share some anxiety on. So it would be something that everyone would be kind of entertained by, and that's why we're doing it. So let's jump right into it and go over first, why are people so afraid? I mean, why are people ranking public speaking as an even greater concern, a greater fear than death, which is, again, extremely odd. And I think the big problem is that, that people perceive that in failing, they, the net result is complete and total humiliation. So, you know, few times in life are you able to completely humiliate yourself in front of the general public. You know, my daughter plays a lot of sports in school, and, you know, she faces that same issue every time she goes out on the basketball court or the volleyball court that she can embarrass herself amongst her friends and whatever parents are in attendance and the coach. But public speaking is far worse because then normally you're talking to all of your exact peers. And often it's in a setting where failure could be extremely bad. So if you're giving that speech before... You know, all of your coworkers, all of your bosses, it could theoretically destroy your career if you do a bad job. So people are just obsessed with the downside of public speaking without ever really thinking towards the upside to what public speaking can do for you. You know, public speaking is one of those things that since everyone is afraid, if you are the guy that says, sure, I'll give that speech, you have very little pushback, very little competition. Giving a speech often makes you appear to be the expert on the industry. It makes you very visible makes you very desirable, both, both in business and for your personal life. So speaking is actually an opportunity. It's not something to be feared or run away from. And there are some very, very easy-to-understand methods to giving a decent speech every time you give it. It won't always be the Gettysburg Address, but it will always be, if, if on, a, on a grading scale, you know, at least a B, to an A minus, regardless of the topic, regardless of how you're doing that day, regardless of how eloquent you feel that day. So let's go over a few of the key things you can do to make yourself a better speaker. And this first one is hugely misunderstood, and that is how you handle your material. Right? You're going to give a speech, so you know you've you've got your 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 idea you want to tell the audience. But what do you do with that idea? Uh, you know, there are a lot of books out there that are very, very bad 
in as much as they give you a terrible idea of what to do. The ones I hate are the ones that tell you never write your speech down, but just make it up as you go. Tell a story. Nothing can be farther from the truth. Whoever writes those books, they do that, I believe, because it makes people feel good, like there's no big preparation required to give a speech. But the fallacy of what they're talking about is that's not the way it's done in real life by professionals. Let's just look at that for a moment. You know, when David Letterman is out there telling his jokes on the Letterman show, he's speaking from cue cards, right? There's someone there holding cue cards, and he's reading the cue cards. Now, sometimes he remembers what the cue cards say. He doesn't look exactly at them, but they're always there as a safety net. Now, let's turn over instead to a newscaster, Tom Brokaw or somebody off the news. How do they deliver their speech? Well, they deliver their speech word for word from notes that they have off of teleprompters that are built into that little desk that they speak from. So again, they're going from, from having all the information right there in front of them. Let's, let's now fast forward to the President of the United States. When he goes to give a speech, does he tell a story? Does he memorize it? Does he just wing it? No. It's right there on a teleprompter for him to literally read word for word. So I think what we're saying here is the professionals, those who give speeches every day as their livelihood, they never tell a story. They never memorize, they never wing it, they always read it word for word. So one of the key things, if you want to be a successful speaker and conquer your fear, is you need to have your material written out word for word. Now, some people will tell me, now, Frank, that would be awkward. I mean, how can you do word for word? Well, here's how you can do it. You know, if you're at your typical podium, a podium is built for word-to-word speaking. Most podiums are exactly twice the width of a sheet of 8.5 by 11 paper. And that's because the concept would be you read, and then as you read your speech, you slide each page as you finish to the right. That's why they're designed in that exact size. right? Even speaking in front of a large group, you can still have a paper. Maybe instead of an 8.5 by 11 sheet, you use index cards. But there's no public speaking situation where it is ill-advised or awkward to have your material written down. Now, the best speakers, in fact, they go in to give speeches with two different sets of paper. One speech is their entire speech written word for word. The other is the exact same speech done with bullets, so in a bulletized format. The reason they do that is if they're having a good day, if they're feeling really eloquent and loose and things are doing well, then they just pull out the bullet speech and they just talk as they go. And it does seem to your audience a little more genuine, a little more, you know, right on the spot. But they always have that backup. If they're not having a good day, if they're not eloquent, then they always have that word for word as their safety cushion. And man, that is an important, important safety blanket because the number one fear most people have in giving a speech is what is called a blank. That's where you stand up you don't know what you're supposed to say because your mind suddenly forgets the material and you sit down in complete humiliation. There's no way to salvage that situation. The more your brain is desperate to remember what you were going to say, the more it's, it's lost through the sudden adrenaline rush and excitement of, of this disaster that's going on. So when you have your, your material fully written down, you have already escaped the biggest fear, which is not knowing what to say. 
Additional things you've escaped is any kind of fear at all on on what to say, you know, as you go. And additionally, it also helps you time your speech. You know, another problem people have in speaking is they can't, when you just tell a story, you either end up way short or too long. When you speak from written material, you can pre-time the speech so it's exactly the length that you want it. So you cannot beat speaking from written material. And don't let anyone tell you that that's not what professionals do. That's exactly what professionals do. That's exactly what every politician, every newscaster, every entertainer in America and throughout the world does, is they speak from printed material. And they do that because they know it's absolutely essential for them to successfully, day-to-day, get the job done. Now, the next is fear of not talking loudly enough. Uh, this, is, this happens because most people do not understand when you give a speech, you have to use a, a voice that is far louder than you do in day-to-day conversation. When I sit at a table with three other people and talk, my voice is at a certain level of loudness, just like a YouTube video screen with a little voice bar there. You know, it's at the lower setting. I don't want to be screaming in a restaurant. I don't want to be screaming out, you know, around the dinner table. So my voice is of a certain level. But when you public speak, that's not the acceptable level. You must go loud. I think a good analogy to think of is Michael Jackson, the late entertainer. When he wasn't on stage, you could hardly hear him. If you've ever seen any video or thing with him in it, where it's like a behind the scenes, you couldn't hear the guy. He was, he was kind of shy. He didn't talk loudly at all. On stage, however, he snapped into that other persona that would, you know, be more theatrical and loud. That's how you have to be as a speaker. You have a public speaking voice, a public speaking persona, and when you're not on stage, you put that in a box and hide it under the bed and go back to being normal. But when you have to give a speech, you pull that box back out and you put back on your public speaking voice and your public speaking persona and you deliver your speech. Now, it takes a while to learn how loud to speak because we do it very rarely. You only give a speech maybe once a year. Some people don't give a speech once every few years. So you have to learn how to speak loud. A great way to do that is to take a, any form of camera today. It could be your smartphone. It could be a flip camera, any kind of digital recorder. Set that thing up on a tripod, but don't put it right by you. Put it at the back of the room. So if, you, if you're in a house, put that back about the distance that the last row of an auditorium would be. And then you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You'll talk like you normally do. You can't hear yourself on the video. Next thing you know, you'll have to be talking very, very loud, almost to the level of screaming for the video to record clearly what you're saying. You can do the same exercise using a cheap $20 hand tape recorder from a store like Office Depot. And as a worst-case scenario, you can actually just have a person sit or stand as far from you as they humanly can and tell you when you're talking loudly enough that they can hear you. In all cases, you'll be able to ultimately register in your brain what that public speaking level of loud should be, and that should be your new adopted level of loud. All right, now some people might say, wait a minute now, I speak from a microphone. It doesn't matter. Even from a microphone, you cannot be your normal self. You don't have to scream as loudly as speaking without a microphone, But nevertheless, you cannot be your regular speaking 
level of lab that's not going to work. I will also tell you this. Many a person has had a disastrous public speaking experience because they assumed that they would have a microphone and that it would function. I've had this happen to me any number of times. There before an audience, I have a microphone. It doesn't do me any good. Why? It doesn't work. Microphone, battery is dead or the system's broken. What do you do? Well, everyone's there. They're all looking at you. You can't say, I'm sorry, I can't speak tonight. I don't have a microphone. So instead, you have to speak loudly enough they can hear you. If you're not used to this, you won't know how loudly to be. So again, just like someone playing tennis where if you can hit the ball hard enough to make it to the, to the baseline, then certainly you can hit it a little short. That's, that's easy. The same on speaking. If you can speak loudly enough that you don't need a microphone, then when you do have a microphone, you're fine. And if it breaks, then you're also fine. Next item is fear of monotone. And you know what is the fear of a monotone? People get really bored when your voice has no inflection. They like to hear the peaks and the valleys of speaking to make it sound interesting to them. A great exercise to break out of your monotone rut is uh, and can be found through the most strange source, which is Mad Magazine. If you get a copy of Mad Magazine, and most people have not looked in one of those things since they were probably 10 years old, if they ever even did, the people that write magaz- Mad Magazine came up with an interesting idea. You'll note throughout the magazine when, when, a, char- when, a, when a character talks you know, in writing there, they highlight in bold some of the words in the sentence. And when you read that, and you in your brain highlight those words, it sounds more realistic, more conversational. And a lot of speakers can use the same technique, and most do. What you do is you take the copy you wrote, sentence by sentence, and you underline the words that need emphasis in that sentence. For example, if I was looking at a simple sentence that said, you know, the classic typewriter practice sentence of now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country, you know, where do you put the emphasis? Where do you put the inflection in that sentence? You could put under, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. That would be one way to do it. But as you change the emphasis, it even changes, in some ways, the perception of what you're saying. But by highlighting the words, you know, going through your speech and editing it, a couple times and putting either with a yellow highlighter or underline where to put the emphasis, it allows you to break out of your monotone rut. Because a lot of times when we public speak, we do it in a monotone because we honestly are unable on our feet to gauge where to put the emphasis in each sentence. So you'll go through and figure out which word or words in every sentence needs extra emphasis, and then you'll highlight those so you remember when you're reading your speech that you put more emphasis on those. The next item is moving around. You know, a lot of people, I don't want to say that they necessarily dance when they speak, but it's close to. And the problem you have as an audience is that's very distracting to see someone who is constantly moving around back and forth up there on the podium or even without a podium, just moving around endlessly left to right, back and forth. You've got to stop moving around. The reason we move around as speakers are we're very nervous. So we take out our nervousness by moving around. But the problem is it's very distracting to the audience, so you've got to be able to make yourself stand in one spot. Again, a great resource to to figure this out is 
some form of recorder. Not, not, not a tape recorder in this case, but it needs to be your iPhone on movie setting or a flip cam or something like that where you can actually film yourself and you will immediately see when you critique yourselves how much you move. And the goal is to stop moving. You have to force yourself like a habit, like saying the word um or something. You have to be able to force yourself to stop moving around but stay in one spot. The next item is hand gestures. You know, many people out there have a fear of hand gestures or fear of no hand gestures. They don't know what the heck to do with their hands. And let's go over that for a minute because it's, it, the, the solution is very fascinating. I thought I was very fascinated with the solution when I, it was first taught to me back in high school debate. If you look at your typical public speaker, politician, anyone in the entertainment industry, you will note they, they have a certain posture that normal people do not. They take one arm, whether it's their right or left, or sometimes bo- both, and they elevate it till that arm so that the area between your hand and your elbow is horizontal to the ground. So those of you listening in, if you'll take, take and bring up one hand or the other and make it so that your, between your wrist and your elbow is horizontal to the ground, that in public speaking is your ready position. You have to have at all times one hand or both hands in that position. If you hold your arms in that position, number one, you look much more professional Take a look at yourself in the mirror doing that. You'll immediately see, wow, I look more pro. But also what they found in hand gestures are you can't fake them very uh, efficiently or appropriately. They have to come from your brain. But the problem is you won't give hand gestures unless you are in the ready position. When you have your hands down by your side, what happens is your brain feels the need for a hand gesture. But because your arm is so far down there, so far out of the ready position, it just doesn't even bother. Or worst case, you make your hand gestures down beside your leg because your hands are straight down. So you want to have that ready position. That's the key to good hand gestures. If you maintain a ready position with one or both arms, then as you get more comfortable speaking, the gestures will just start happening. You don't have to fake it. They just start happening. Now, some things you have to also be aware of is you can put yourself in positions where hand gestures are impossible. For example, no professional speaker speaks with his hands in his pockets. When your hands are in your pocket, by definition, there can be no hand gestures. If there were, they would be inside of your pockets. Also, any posture in which your hands are behind your back, that's not good. You will, you will not get any hand gestures. Another posture you see frequently from people is where they grasp the podium and they grab on there because they're scared. But the problem is when you're grabbing the podium, again, you cannot have any hand gestures. It won't do you any good whatsoever. So that being the case, you always have to maintain that ready position with your hands. Next is a fear of shaking. You know, we see this particularly with women because they have hair that's somewhat longer than men's, and when they shake, even the smallest amount, they feel as though their hair is just shaking violently or their clothing is shaking violently. In many cases, they are shaking. They're scared. They get up there and they have an adrenaline rush and they are shaking. But the key thing on that is to realize that no one can really see that. When you're, when you're in public speaking, people are not really right next to you. They're, they're probably the closest person to you in a typical public speaking format is 10 to 20 feet back. So what happens is, even though you are shaking, and, and you, it's true, you are, no one can see that. People get blown completely out of proportion the fact that they, they, they perceive 
that the audience can see their hand trembling or their hair shaking or whatever the case may be. And, you know, if the person was standing right up next to you, maybe they could, but that's not the way public speaking formats are designed. So traditionally you have a speaker on the stage, there's a podium, there's some distance between them and the audience, and as a result, the audience cannot see them shaking. You will again learn this if you'll mount your iPhone on a tripod or some way to hold it or get a flip cam or some other digital recorder on a movie setting, and you'll be able to see, hey, I really don't shake. You can't see that. The final item is the fear of your heart pounding. You know, a lot of people feel this constant beat of their heart from the adrenaline rush, and they think that the audience can somehow hear or see that, and the, and the answer is they can't. Again, your audience is so far from you that if your heart is racing away and pounding, your audience wouldn't have a prayer of seeing that from their seats. Additionally, you know, they have found that adrenaline is actually a good thing in public speaking. Some people call that good fear. When you have that adrenaline rush, it will often make you a little more attuned to what you are doing, so you'll be a little louder. And you'll also put in a little more preparation. If you're not afraid, normally you won't put in the preparation you need to have a successful speech. But I've never seen a speaker yet that the audience came up to them at the end of the speech and said, wow, your heart sure is pounding because they can't see or tell that from where they sit. Another trick that a lot of professional speakers do, and you'll see this not only in politicians but newscasters and folks, is to wear a jacket of some type, wear a blazer, wear a suit, that extra layer will do some great things for you. It'll mask any heart pounding you have because you've got another layer to block any type of view. Additionally, some people, they, when they go up to speak, they, they have a tendency to get cold, almost like shock from a car wreck. And that one extra layer of warmth can keep you from potentially getting the chills or even having your teeth chattering. So a good trick a lot of professionals use is to use that extra layer of clothing on top and a tie also helps. Tie coat keeps your neck warm. It's one more layer of insulation. The tie hangs down, so now you have a shirt, and then you have a tie layer, and then a coat layer. But the bottom line is there's no possible reason for you to ever worry about the audience detecting that you are having this heart issue, because regardless of how much your heart races, it, it can't be perceived by the audience. Now, you know, when I was public speaking, one time I, I went and we did a dinner thing with the students, and the, and the fellow I was teaching with, he gave one of the worst speeches ever. And I said to him, what happened? That was terrible. And he said, well, here's the problem. You know, I, I actually had a couple cocktails earlier. I had a fairly good day at work. I put it in no preparation whatsoever because I had no fear of giving the speech tonight. And because of that, I did a very terrible job. And that got me thinking, you know what, maybe that fear we all share isn't all bad. Maybe the fear of public speaking is what can take you from being average or horrible up to the next level because it makes you want to do a good job and put in the preparation. So when you're thinking about speaking and you're feeling that fear, maybe that fear you're feeling, if channeled correctly, isn't bad fear. It's actually what we call good fear. Well, we're going to take a break. In a minute, moment, we'll be back talking more about how to have a high yield from public speaking. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for the highest yielding niches in real estate, then go to Commercial Real Estate University at CREUniversity.com. This website is devoted to exploring the few niches of real estate that can still generate 20% plus returns on your money and offers you college-quality courses on how to locate, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around, and operate the hottest sectors of real estate today. Mobile home parks, billboards, RV parks, and self-storage. All of the materials are written and produced by Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds based on their experiences in over $150 million of real estate bought and sold. If you're looking for real estate investments that make more than low single digits, and if you're looking for 100% facts with no sales pitch, then go to CREUniversity.com or call 800-950-1364. That number again is 800-950-1364. Or visit the website at CREUniversity.com. The affordability gap in this country is considerable. There are simply not enough affordable places to live for the millions of lowest-income households. Jeff Mueller of Marcus and Millichap is one of the nation's top manufactured housing community brokers. As a specialist in the manufactured housing industry, please contact Jeff Mueller to help capitalize on the growing demand of affordable housing. Whether you're an investor looking to achieve double-digit returns or an owner considering expanding your position through a tax-deferred exchange, Jeff Mueller can help. Please call Jeff at 303-328-2049. That's 303-328-2049. Hi, I'm Kurt Kelly, President of Mobile Insurance. Mobile is a specialty investment property insurance agency. Parks, self-storage facilities, rental properties, commercial buildings. We offer the coverage you need, explained clearly, and low rates. Call us at 800-458-4320 or visit us at mobileagency.com because we understand how to insure investment properties. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to High Yield with Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. If you have a question or comment about our program this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to frank.rolf at gmail.com. Now, back to High Yield. Welcome back to High Yield. This is Frank Rolf. Today we're going over public speaking in the High Yield opportunities in both your personal and business life from, being, uh, from knowing how to stand up and give a good speech. We talked a minute ago about all the different things you can do to improve your speaking and to at least always have a better-than-average speech, somewhere in the B to B-plus category, regardless of what kind of day you're having, how eloquent you feel, just based on some preparation and some basic nuts and bolts. You can always deliver a good speech and not no longer have a fear of it. Let's go over some stories of people, well-known folks, who have had trouble with their public speaking. It's not just something that the regular person has. It's, it's a recurrent theme throughout history of different folks having problems. So let's review a few. 
One is a prominent guy. I won't, won't say his name, but it's a well-known guy who started a very large corporation. And they were having a special giant event in his honor. So picture this. They rented a giant auditorium. And then after the auditorium, there's a reception out behind the auditorium. So this is a, this is a big deal. It's like, uh, you know, it's like some kind of special award or something. And he is the keynote speaker. So apparently... You know, and this was this was this story was told to me by someone who was at the event. You know, the folks are for the reception part are out there behind the giant auditorium, ready to have the crowd pulling out, and so they're sitting out there talking, and no one's coming out, and that's okay. They're told that the the speech will go on for a half hour or so. Well, after a half hour, there's still nobody, so they're waiting around. Now we're 40 minutes after 50, and now we're a full hour after nobody and then we're 10 minutes out and then suddenly someone comes out the door and they said uh hey what's what's going on in there did the speech start late and the person said no you know the first time was okay the second time uh you know i i tried to make do but i couldn't bear to hear it a third time and what had happened is the speaker was so afraid of giving this speech that they had had too much to drink and as a result they could not follow their spot in their speech or what they were supposed to say. So they had some modicum of notes. They would basically go through the bullets of the notes and then forget where they were in it and then start all over again. So there's someone having a bad, bad public speaking day. Another one was the, the most recent presidential debates with Mitt Romney and, uh, and Obama, uh, where Obama was completely lost in that first debate. It was really horrifying. I mean, I, I've, I've watched as a public speaking teacher... I've watched a million videos and listened to a million speeches, and that was amongst the worst I've ever heard. Uh, you know, what happened there? I don't know if, we'll, if we will all ever know. I mean, it, it changed the election. I mean, going into that debate, Romney didn't have a chance under anyone's measure. Coming out of that first debate, suddenly it breathed new life in his campaign. It was still unsuccessful, but it was shocked people that Obama, who was president and has delivered so many speeches, would crash and burn that badly on live TV. So there's a very, very recent case of someone having a public speaking problem. There was also a large speech back in Dallas where there was a senator, you know, a very, very large crowd, maybe one or 2,000 people, and the microphone doesn't work. Same thing we were describing earlier. You know, they've got this giant crowd, no microphone. Well, the guy has no idea how to do public speaking without a microphone. So he delivers the speech in the same tone he would with the microphone, and no one could hear him. Maybe 20 rows back, nobody could hear a word the guy said. And you know what happens when it happens is the audience starts talking to each other, saying, I can't hear him. What's going on? And suddenly the crowd goes from being relatively quiet to being a giant amount of, of noise. You cannot even hear what's going on. So it was a complete disaster. Here the guy is flailing away, delivering a speech nobody could hear, Lots and lots of talk in the audience. I mean, they basically break into discussion of world events because they can't hear anything that's going on. To have it going on for 30 minutes to an hour is just, is just dreadful. You know, one of the most painful public speaking things that I ever was a witness to was at a wedding. I was at a table of a wedding during a wedding, and at my table was the son of the guy who's getting married. This is someone whose wife had died, and he was remarrying. And it came time to give the toast. And the guy is supposed to give a toast. He was told beforehand you have to give a toast. He's supposed to have already written a toast. We sit at the table, and it's toast time. 
and they and the, and they say now you know it's time for the toast. Well, the guy won't give the toast. He sits there. I I said to him, I don't even know the guy. I said, uh, you really need to to stand up and give a toast. He said, I, I can't. I'm too afraid. I said, just stand up and say anything. Don't do this to yourself. Don't sit there. If you sit there, everyone will always remember you as a knucklehead who would not give the toast. You're going to offend your dad, offend nearly everyone. If you simply stand up and do a terrible job, people will feel sorry for you, but at least you tried. I could not get the guy to stand up. I I begged. I pleaded. To no avail. He was adamant he would not stand up and embarrass himself. And, of course, you can guess what happened. By not standing up, he really embarrassed himself in front of everyone. He made his dad mad and everyone very upset because he wouldn't stand up. So those, those are, you know, cases of people who, you know, should have known better. Maybe not the guy at the wedding, but everybody else on, the, on those stories should have known better. But they were afraid of public speaking and didn't know exactly what to do because they hadn't apparently tuned into the High Yield show. And now let's look at some stories of other speakers in history and things that happened to them because they were also equally afraid. Uh, the first one is uh, Winston Churchill. There's, there's a fairly well-known figure in American history, Winston Churchill. And Churchill, uh, unbelievably, was afraid of public speaking. People didn't know that, but it bothered him a lot because he was a perfectionist, and he didn't like the concept that maybe he wouldn't deliver a terrific speech. So during World War II, what do you do? You know, they're, 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 there's a war. Churchill's in charge of the war, and he's down in that complex. And if I don't know if anyone's ever been to England, but if you're in England, you can go to the bunker where the British controlled their part of World War II, just in downtown, underground, not much of a bunker. In fact, it's basically a basement. And he's down there in the bunker all day, and what he decided to do, with everyone else's approval, was they went out and found an actor who had a very, very similar-sounding voice, and they made him a deal. Basically, he would become the face of Churchill on the radio, and that would save Churchill from the excruciating drama of practicing and practicing his speech. So the, what would happen is Churchill would write the speech, give it to the actor who sounded just like Churchill. This actor would then do the speech on the radio, saving Churchill hours and hours of practice time by simply writing the material and letting the actor practice the speech. Now, obviously, it was a very risky maneuver, and that information did not come out, come out until long after World War II. People would have been very upset at the time had they known that all those famous speeches from, from world history that we know with Churchill were not actually by Churchill. I mean, obviously, the speeches Churchill made in Parliament, those are all Churchill. But most of those radio addresses that people think uh, are among the best speeches ever ever made, uh, those aren't Churchill. Those are, in fact, the, the Churchill stand-in. So there, there's someone who you wouldn't think would be afraid of public speaking, but in fact they, they were. This next story is, is one of the wilder ones of, of American speaking history, and that was Bill Clinton and the day they put the wrong speech on the teleprompter. So picture this. Here is Clinton, and he's supposed to deliver a speech on live TV. So you know there's probably going to be 100 million viewers in America, and I don't know how many million viewers in the rest of the world, but certainly he's laying it all out on the law on the line. It's a big speech, an important speech, as all presidential speeches are. He's on live TV. You know he'll be cross-examined by everyone, their brother-in-law, and every single word that he says. So he goes up to the podium to give the speech, and up on the teleprompter pops the speech, 
it's the wrong speech. The guy in charge of the teleprompter has loaded the wrong speech. Now, what do you do? You're Bill Clinton. You're on national TV. You're at the podium. You're looking at the teleprompter, which is supposed to guide you on your speech word for word. It's the wrong speech. Well, you can't say, uh, excuse me, everyone, I've got the wrong speech on the teleprompter, because you really don't want the American people to know that you aren't speaking from the heart, from the cuff, that you're reading it. So he couldn't just shut it down. This is all live. This isn't, this isn't recorded. What do you do? Well, what he did was he, from memory, gave the other speech. I'm not really sure that that's ever happened before in modern history. I don't think many of the presidents could have done that. Gerald Ford could have never pulled that off. Uh, so here he is. He's winging on live TV the presidential address. Now, fortunately, he has a good memory. So he was able to remember most of the key points of the speech, and that's fantastic. But can you imagine the horror of that? I mean, the average person would freak out going up to the podium before 50 of their business contemporaries, panicking on, what do I say? What do I do? And here's a guy on live TV with hundreds of millions of people watching, and he's having to wing this thing when he thought all he had to do was go up and read it. And now he has no text to read from. Unbelievable. In fact, some people view that speech by Clinton as one of the great American speeches because no one in history had had to give one under those kind of horrible, pressured circumstances. Last example is Abraham Lincoln. And I think he's a very interesting person because he was very much the introvert and he hated to speak. I mean, if you read his books or watch movies on him, you'll see that's kind of a recurrent theme is he really kind of was a homebody and not really much of a not not someone who really uh, relished oration. And if you read the Gettysburg Address, you know, here he is writing the speech on this train and perpetually, you know, wadding it up and throwing it away and then rewriting it because he just couldn't even decide what to say. And he literally wrote the Gettysburg Address, which is considered this great speech, in the final minutes of when the train pulled up as maybe his tenth version because he couldn't come up with anything he thought was any good. So, again, you know, there's the fear of public speaking. Problems with public speaking are universal. They are not just, you know, that of just the common man and not within the realm of great politicians and world leaders. They also have the fear and the same problems. We're going to go to break now, and then we'll be right back here. This is Frank Rolfe with High Yield. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for the highest yielding niches in real estate, then go to Commercial Real Estate University at CREUniversity.com. This website is devoted to exploring the few niches of real estate that can still generate 20% plus returns on your money and offers you college-quality courses on how to locate, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around and operate 
The hottest sectors of real estate today. Mobile home parks, billboards, RV parks, and self-storage. All of the materials are written and produced by Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds based on their experiences in over $150 million of real estate bought and sold. If you're looking for real estate investments that make more than low single digits, and if you're looking for 100% facts with no sales pitch, then go to CREUniversity.com or call 800-950-1364. That number again is 800-950-1364. Or visit the website at CREUniversity.com. Hi, I'm Kurt Kelly president of mobile insurance mobile is a specialty investment property insurance agency parks self-storage facilities rental properties commercial buildings we offer the coverage you need explained clearly and low rates call us at 800-458-4320 or visit us at mobileagency.com because we understand how to insure investment properties the affordability gap in this country is considerable There are simply not enough affordable places to live for the millions of lowest-income households. Jeff Mueller of Marcus & Millichap is one of the nation's top manufactured housing community brokers. As a specialist in the manufactured housing industry, please contact Jeff Mueller to help capitalize on the growing demand of affordable housing. Whether you're an investor looking to achieve double-digit returns or an owner considering expanding your position through a tax-deferred exchange, Jeff Mueller can help. Please call Jeff at 303-328-2049. That's 303-328-2049. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to High Yield with Frank Rolfe and Dave Reynolds. If you have a question or comment about our program this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to frank.rolfe at gmail.com. Now, back to High Yield. Welcome back to High Yield. This is Frank Roth, and again, on today's show, we're reviewing public speaking, the ins and outs, and how to cure your fear of doing it, because public speaking is a great high-yield opportunity in both your business and personal life. So now we've talked about public speaking, the do's, the don'ts, famous folks from history and how they address their own fears. Now let's get more focused on how to conquer your fear. I gave you in the first part of the show the top ways that you need to revamp your style and focus your efforts to make yourself a worry-free speaker. But what are some other ways? You know, public speaking is a weird thing. We do it very, very rarely, so you don't want to devote a whole lot of attention and time to it. But at the same time, you want to know the tricks and the shortcuts and all the different insider secrets that the pros use to do it effectively. So here's some different ideas for you, a little bit out of the norm, not your typical read a Dale Carnegie book kind of thing. The first one is a website called FasterSpeaker.com. That's FasterSpeaker.com. That's a website, in fact, that, that I wrote the book on. And on there you'll find a, a free book. It doesn't cost you one penny. And it's a book that basically tells you my 30 years of public speaking encapsulated into what the key points are to being a good speaker. 
And again, it's totally free, so you have absolutely nothing to lose. So again, go to fasterspeaker.com and download that free book. That, in my opinion, is, is your, your best initial thought. And again, it's totally free. Next is to get all the public speaking articles on the Internet. There are so many articles. Public speaking, because it is the number one fear of Americans, is a topic that there are so many books and articles written on. It's amazing. So many different resources. Go on there and read as many articles as you like. You'll find things on there, different people's theories on speaking and how long should a speech be, different organizational types of speaking. You know, different types of speeches have different theoretical organizational types. If it's an informational speech or a persuasive speech, for example, a persuasive speech often is what's called a O. Henry ending, where the ending of your speech is is the persuasion, and it's not the same speech you initially, that the, that the listener thought he was going to be listening to. So there's all these different ideas on how to have a successful speech and speech content. And you can find those, again, completely for free on Google. So just Google public speaking. You'll find millions and millions of articles. Scroll through those. Find the ones that interest you, and that'll get you started. And again, it's completely free of charge. The third item, which is also free, assuming you own the equipment, is to video yourself. Now, this is a great option that was not available to me back in the early days. They certainly did not have video cameras and certainly not cheap video cameras until recent times. When you do video record, you make sure that you do it from a distance. Don't put it on a, uh, you know, a tripod five feet from your face and do it. That will not tell you the true story. You want to have it far enough back that you look in the camera like you would to someone who actually is in a public speaking situation. So you want to have it far enough back they see your whole body and that you can see whether you are loud or not loud or what the case may be. Again, if you already own that that iPhone, smartphone, flip cam, digital camera, well, then it's free to you. Just record yourself, play back, do it again, record yourself, keep doing that till you think you're good. If you watch it and say, ah, I stink, well, then... Keep doing it until you watch it and say, wow, I'm pretty good. Uh, you will definitely probably need a tripod if you don't have it. But again, you, they make these really inexpensive tabletop tripods, and you can simply put it on a credenza or desk or table or somewhere in your house and then stand back significantly far and do it. But that's a great, great tool that, again, was not available until recent times. And so that's, it's, it's, a, it's a terrific way to, to, to do it. Another way, if you cannot afford to buy some form of video recorder, if you do not have a smartphone, the audio recorder is the way that people of my generation did it. You take your tape recorder and you set that tape recorder you know, at the very back of the room and talk and see if you can hear yourself. And when you get it down where you can hear yourself, you can additionally hear if you use the word um, that's, that's a chronic defect many speakers do is saying the word um too much. You can only really solve that by forcing yourself to stop saying the word um. But you'll hear you know, things like your voice inflection, whether you have a monotone and that type of item. It'll also help you pace yourself to figure out how long your speech actually is. So if you can't video record yourself, you definitely would at a minimum want to audio record because that's, a, again, a very super important way of getting very, very good real-time feedback on how you're doing. In fact, today I would never give a speech in, in, in the business world or personal life world without, at a minimum, audio and more realistically video recording myself to prove to myself that the speech is good. You will be amazed when you critique yourself. All these things will pop up that you did not know just watching yourself speak from you know the point of view of, of the speaker. 
So those are great ways to, to get a better handle. Another thing to do is to watch how the great speakers do it. You know, who are the great speakers of, of the modern world? I don't know. I think Ronald Reagan, probably one of the better public speaking presidents of recent times, but probably the guy I would write, rank right now, whether you like him or don't like him, as one of the top speakers in, in America is Joel Olstein. You know, he, he has a church down, I believe, in Houston. But whether, whether you are, are religious or non-religious or of that denomination or not, you have to say the guy is one heck of a speaker. He's got a speaking style. It's all his own. It's very unique. It's very conversational. It's very friendly. He just does a really good overall job. But, you know, seek out speakers who are professional that you think are great speakers and then watch what they do. Watch their hand gestures. Watch, you know, everything they do and learn from it. You know, you can learn so much from watching professional speakers because you'll suddenly see all these different nuances and things you did not see before, and that will definitely improve your speaking style as well. The next item is Toastmasters. This is a tricky one because there have been many, many people who have been sometimes as harmed by Toastmasters as helped. Here's what happens. When you go to Toastmasters, the whole point is that they force you to get up and speak. And some Toastmaster chapters are very user-friendly. The people in, in it are normal people. They're wanting to improve their public speaking, but they don't, they're not uh, obsessed with it. They just want to be better speakers. But there are some Toastmaster chapters where everybody in that is a professional speaker in as much as they speak all the time. So you'll have a Toastmasters where all the guys in there are buddies and they are all professional salespeople. They might be, in some form or fashion, professional speakers, lawyers, who knows. I know someone who went to a Toastmasters where it was filled with nothing but professional people, and they had to give them a speech. So they told the person to give a speech about a table lamp and do it with emotion. Now, they thought that was funny. The person was horrified and, and never went back. But again, if you're going to do Toastmasters, the key item there is what is that Toastmasters chapter like? Make sure it's one that fits in well with your own goals. One final way is to actually volunteer to give speeches. There's no better way to improve your speaking style than through practice, because practice makes perfect. So the more speeches you can give, the better. So volunteer every opportunity you have to give a speech. You know, hopefully in today's program we've taught you that you don't need to avoid public speaking opportunities and that there are many high-yield opportunities in your business and personal life every day that you are missing out by not giving that speech. And I'm hoping today that everyone will at least think about I can't make you do it, but think about the next time that that opportunity comes up to give a speech, whether it's at your work or your church or some civic activity that you're a volunteer at, that you'll take it, that you'll say, yes, I want to give that speech because it's it's not a luxury. It's, it's a tremendous opportunity when you give a speech to advance your career to advance relationships. It's just an amazing thing, and it's an opportunity you will miss, and it's a high-yield opportunity you will miss if you don't do it. So this is Frank Roth. Thank you for being here this week, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for tuning in to High Yield. Please join Frank and Dave next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great and profitable week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.